Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Jeremiah 6.16 says this, it says, Stop, stand at the crossroads, look around, ask for the old godly ways, the eternal ways, the ancient paths, and walk in those that there might be rest for your soul. Um, If you've been with us, we've actually been talking about this scripture verse for the last, I think, 12 weeks now. So you should have it memorized. One verse for 12 weeks. It's going to take us a while to get through the Bible. But we've done that. We have stopped at the crossroad. We've looked around. We've talked about cultural Christianity and the dismissal of truth and and different compasses that are coming into place right now with where we're at in society. And then we took the last seven weeks and we've talked about the eternal paths, things that kind of stretch from coast to coast, as you will, things that uh, will outlast uh, things that are going on in just culture and society, things like prayer, the word, worship community, holy work, rest and Sabbath, and the kingdom of God. So we stop, stand at crossroads, we look around, and we ask, and then we've discovered these seven ways, and there's probably some more, but these are just the seven that we talked about. And so now the next part of the verse is then walk in them that there might be rest for your soul. Who needs some rest for their soul this morning? Anybody? I know I could use some rest for my soul. So the big question then becomes, well, how? How do we walk in these ancient paths that go beyond us in prayer? And Lord, how do we do this? This disciples are asking Jesus, well, teach us. Teach us to pray. Teach us how to do these things. Teach us how to get into the Word, to worship, to live inside of community. And now, all of these years later, you could go to any bookstore and there's literally thousands and thousands of books that will teach you how to do all these things. And, and a lot of them just really good stuff, how, how, how to get into the Word and how to pray and how to worship and what it looks like. And, and on the other side, there's also at least 12,000 different denominations that have split because of the how issue. Well, we worship like this. Well, you guys, oh, y'all do four songs? We do five songs. We're way more spiritual than you. You read out of the New Living Translation. We read out of the King James Version, right? And there's all of these denominations that begin to split up of, because of how things are done. And oftentimes, the reason why we split and all these things are based not upon doctrinal issues, but based upon personality, based upon preference, based upon maybe even season of life of, of these things. And uh, people will tell you, like, well, this is how you have to do it. And so when it comes to teaching about prayer, they say, well, you have to wake up really early in the morning. I remember being in Bible school, and, like, some of the professors would teach that. Like, well, David woke up early in the morning, so you have to wake up early in the morning and pray. And I wake up every morning at 4 a.m., and you're like, I'm just not doing that. I'm just, I'm not spiritual enough. I'm asleep at 4 a.m. And it just makes you feel like a little bit less of a Christian. Has anybody ever felt that way? Because you can't do what someone else is doing, and it works for them, but it just doesn't work for you. 
But then you feel like, well, Nate, I'm not a good Christian because I can't do that. But then there could be phases of life of things where you did something at one time in your life, but it just doesn't work at a different season of life. Uh, if you've got a, a six-month-old in the house, right, you're already up at four in the morning, so it's not a problem, right? But it's just different phases. Or if you're like 72 and it's the early bird special, come on, <laughs> send me all in the room. You know you do it. We got to get there. We got to beat the crowd. There's no crowd. There's never a crowd. <laughs> so the question I have, as we talk about these practices and we talk about these ancient pasts and the way that we do it, is there an underlying stream to them? Because there is a certain measure of personality and preference and season of life that things to go. And if we're not careful, we could begin to do things based just upon our preference or our own desires. But is there an underlying stream to, the, to the, these practices in which we can lean upon no matter what season of life you are in, no matter if you do three songs or four songs or, or what, whatever the case may be, whether you worship from a hymn book or on a screen, whether we're here in America or whether they're uh, over in Africa or Asia worshiping Jesus, is there a river that runs through it? Come on, somebody. Is there a uh, Robert Redford film that goes through all of these practices that undergird all of them? I think there is. Don't steal my sermon, Pete. <laughs> well, y'all have a great day. Pete, just... Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Beginning with verse 20. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where they had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins or turned to God. What sorrow awaits you, or Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, then their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse." I tell you, uh, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on judgment day than you. And you, people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No. You will go down to the place of the dead. If it is the miracles I did for you have been done in the wicked Sodom, it would still be here today. I tell you, even Sodom would be better off on judgment day than you. Now, at that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. O oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son. And those whom the Son decides to what? Reveal himself. Then Jesus said this, and this is the one that we know. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle of heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden that I give you, it is light. Now over in the book of Luke, chapter 10, in, in this instance, 
Jesus has sent off some of the disciples. They're coming back to him. And listen to what happens in verse 13. Oh, what sorrow awaits you, O Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did to you had been done in the wicked, does it sound familiar? The same thing, again, here in Luke, he records this again. Anyone who accepts my message is also accepting me, and anyone who rejects you is also rejecting me, and anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. Now, when the 72 disciples return, then joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, and, and, I, and I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions, and you can crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rather, rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Your names are written in the book of life, another translation says. At that time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit, and he said this. Listen, it's going to sound familiar. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding things of, of, of these things from those who think themselves to be wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleases you to do it this way. My Father has trusted everything to me, and I truly know that the Son except the Father, and the Father knows the Son. And then there's a little bit of a change here. It says this, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. I tell you, many prophets and kings long to see what you see, but they didn't get to see it. They long to hear what you hear, but they didn't get to hear it. So we have this portion of Scripture Jesus has sent out the 12. He's sent out the 72. They've gone and they've, they've done miracles in his name. They've seen demons cast out. They've seen all of these things happen. And they come back, and there's three different things that happen. There's a warning, there's a prayer, and there's an invitation. And the first, the warning is this. Listen, all of these towns, and then Jesus literally denounces all of these towns. They saw all of the miracles. In other words, Jesus went to these places and miracles were happening. I mean, this was revival breaking out. Jesus is there and, and, and deaf ears are being opened and blind eyes are being, being opened. And all of this is happening. But he said, there's a problem. They didn't repent. They enjoyed the show. They enjoyed all of the things that Jesus could do. But they just said, hey, Jesus, that's great. But we're still going to do it our own way. We're not going to repent. Nothing in our life is going to change. Their life did not reflect one of, of repentance. Now, that doesn't remind you of any group of people today, ever. We've never seen that. And, and then there's this warning, and it's interesting. Uh, oh, there's this warning, and then there's this prayer, and it's interesting because this prayer is seemingly disconnected. He goes from this harsh rebuke warning of, like, turn your life around to all of a sudden the communication goes from these people to now he's talking to Jesus and, like, Father, I just thank you for not revealing any of this to anybody except for those that are childlike, which is just, what, what, what are you doing here? And, and I didn't quite get this till I saw this actually happen the other day. We're in my home, and my kids are, you, you try to get your kids to clean the bedroom. Clean your room, kids, for the love. Just please clean your room. You're grounded. And then I saw this moment happen, and Devin's doing that. Just, kids, come on, clean your room, clean your room. And, and Ashley's kind of like, if you don't clean your room, you're going to get grounded. Right? This is going to happen. And at that moment, her mom calls her. Hey, it's so good to see you. 
It's like, this is just what happened with Jesus. He's like telling all these people, like, repent, change your ways. And then just, Father, it's good to see you. It's good to talk to you. Man, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm thankful. And it just changes on a dime. And then there's this invitation. So the conversation goes to a warning to the people, to a conversation with God, then primarily to the disciples. Because they just come back. And they've seen all these things happen. He's like, oh, no, you could come, and you could rest, and you could be blessed. And there's this kind of process and this being that's happening all at the same time. Because remember, it wasn't just the towns that saw all these miracles that Jesus did, but the disciples went out and did all of these miracles as well. And they're coming back, and they are rejoicing because, man, God just used us in a powerful way. And to which God puts another warning out there. Hold on, pause. Don't rejoice that even the, the, the devil's listening to you. Rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. In other words, don't become just like all those cities I just denounced. See, all of those, they just enjoyed the show. And if you're not careful, you could become just like them. You could, be, you could think it's all about these things that you're doing for me and all these things, and you can miss me in the process. Later on, Jesus even says, listen, there are those that will come before me. Didn't we do all these things in your name? But I didn't know you. Like, be careful. Like, all of these things could be happened, but you could miss it. You could become just like one of these towns. You could become a victim to the show. And in so you can lose your soul. You can lose your soul. Now keep all that in mind because that's the context of these three things that we're gonna lay out, this pathway to coming to Jesus. So first thing that Jesus says, come to me, come to me. The first thing you gotta do, when it, no matter what it is, whether it's prayer or worship or the word, if it doesn't involve coming to Jesus, like, it's not a good pathway. You've got to come to Jesus. And, and the manner in which Jesus says, come to me, is revealed in his prayer. He says, come to me like little children. Come to me like these little children. Here's the thing about children. Children are absolutely helpless. Children don't do anything. Children don't drive the car to work. Children don't cook. Children barely clean. I mean, we're trying to get the kids just to brush their teeth. Just please brush your teeth. If you could do that, you would be the best kid ever. I mean, they're absolutely helpless. I mean, we could take our kids to Disney, the best place on the planet, and kids will be like, Dad, just hold me. Like, we're at Disney. The least you could do is walk. Just, you're a helpless child. I've got you at the most magical, beautiful place on the planet. Walk. Hold me, Dad. Hold me. Just helpless. Just helpless. Like, if we don't feed you, you're just going to starve or eat hot dogs all day long and chicken nuggets. Helpless. And then another thing about kids, kids have no filter at all. As a matter of fact, kids only, they just repeat what they heard in your presence, which is very dangerous. <laughs> Not too long ago, there was like, oh, hey, it's good to see, oh, we enjoyed having dinner with you the other night. It was so good. Dad, didn't you just say that that dinner was horrible? That was somebody else's house. It was, your chicken was great. And was, they'll just repeat back to you in the worst awkward times, no filter at all. Just, just you will get in trouble because your kids just, 
You're mad at your kids because they're just like you, right? I want to beat the you out of you, the me out of you. Like, you know what I'm saying? You've been there, helpless, no filter. And what I found about Jesus is God loves it. God loves it when we come to him helpless and we just say, carry me. And it doesn't matter if we're at Disney or if we're in the valley of the shadow of death. Carry me. I'm helpless without you. And God loves the fact that we don't have a filter. Matter of fact, he encourages, just repeat back what I've already told you. I know my life looks like this, and I know it looks like none of this is going to happen. But God, your word says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God, I'm going to repeat back to you. Your word says I'm blessed. Your word says I'm healed. Your word says that. So I'm just reminding you, I'm going to repeat back what you already said, and God doesn't mind it at all. And he says, come to me like this. Come to me helpless. Come to me without a filter. I see your heart anyway. And he reveals himself to the child like it's who he chooses to reveal himself. And then he says this, come to you all or weak and heavy burden and I will give you rest. Which is interesting because he does this right after talking about like a child. And when I think about ch- children, I don't think about children being this, this weariness and heavy burden. Like children don't get weary. Children have energy for days. Like I've never had once my child come home from school and be like, how was school today? Oh, I'm just so tired. Like, it was, just, it, was a, it was a rough day at school today, Dad. This whole global warming thing's got me down. You know, got a stack of bills, just weary. Got to show up again tomorrow. Like, it's never happened. Like, their biggest burden is, like, if the Internet goes down. Where my iPad's on 2%, Dad. Heavy burden. And, and, and then, like, kids don't get, I mean, they just, kids just fall asleep. Have you just seen that? Kids will fall asleep anywhere. You have these little, you know, all seven-month-old, two-year-old. They will fall asleep in the absolutely worst positions possible, just arm around the head, sitting in the car seat, music blasting, things happening. They're just asleep. They don't care. Somebody, there's a kid in here asleep somewhere right now. It's every Sunday. It is. But they don't, they still don't get, I mean, it's just mm, the most uncomfortable spots, and they just sleep. Um, I want to read to you something. This was in an email that came to me. It's a church outside of Atlanta. The pastor's name is Jack, and he said this. Here are four prayer requests we we recently received at my church. Prayer request number one, I want to stop crying over the smallest things. Lord, I hate my life Will you help me decide to do what to do with my life? Lord, why do I feel like I have no friends? Dear Lord, please get rid of my stress and make me skinny. Come on, somebody. We've all prayed that prayer. Lord, just get rid of my stress and make me skinny. And then the pastor said this. Some of you can relate to those. Maybe that last one even made you smile. I smiled too until I was told that all four of these prayer requests came from our third graders. A third grader. Maybe they're more weary and more heavy burdened than I think. Maybe our society and our culture, this is what we're producing. 
that a, that a third grader would be praying things like, I hate my life. I don't feel like I have any friends. Get rid of my stress and make me skinny. I mean, come on. And Jesus has this thing of, come to me, all of you, all of you, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. What is my point? The solution is coming to Jesus. Coming to Jesus. And when you come to Jesus, you get to live like a son and a daughter. You get to live with this childlike faith that this is my dad and he will carry me. And it doesn't matter if we're in Disney or if we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. My father will carry me. His arms don't grow weary. I could trust him and I could sleep in the most uncomfortable spots. I could sleep when the storms of this life are raging all around me. I could sleep. I could sleep whenever I'm in the middle of the lion's den. I could sleep when I'm in this prison cell. I could sleep when it seems like my life is just raging on every side. Why? Because just as the son knows the father, the father knows the son. And father, unto you I commit my spirit. I could rest in that, and I could rest in him. And you can too, because he'll carry you. This invitation to come to me, to move in my direction, applies to every one of these seven pasts that we've talked to. When we've talked about prayer, come to me in prayer. When we've talked about our holy work, come to Jesus in your work. Come to Jesus in community. So you could practice it a thousand different ways, but if that way doesn't involve coming to Jesus with a childlike faith, you've missed it. You have to come to him. Simply, I believe Abraham believed, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Faith in the one that you are coming to, because the reality is he will do the heavy lifting. I'm helpless without him. I cannot save myself. My knowledge and my ways are more weight than I can carry. Because that's what my knowledge and my ways lead to. It leads to me putting more weight on my shoulders, and eventually I break. And, and the yoke is heavy, and the burden is heavy, and all of this happens because, I mean, I could just do it my way. And Jesus is saying this as a reminder, listen, to all of you that you've done these, these 12 and these 70, you've done these miracles. These miracles are great, but don't forget, come to me. Rejoice that you are a child of God. Rejoice that your name is written. Praise from this place. May your praise be not for what I just did through you, but what I'm doing in you. Come to Jesus. Number two, he says, take my yoke. We've got to take his yoke. Now, a lot of you have seen the illustration where people will take these ox and they will yoke the ox together. So as the, the ox begin to plow fields, they, they move in the same direction. One can't move away from the other. The question today is, who are you yoked to? See, you're yoked to something, whether you realize it or not. You are yoked to something. The question is, who are you yoked to? In the first century, if you were a young disciple and you had a rabbi. Your rabbi's teaching and your rabbi's interpretations of the scripture and how he practiced those scriptures uh, would be called that, that disciple's yoke. So you would take on the yoke of that rabbi. And what would happen is you'd have all these Pharisees and you'd have all these Sadducees and teachers of the religious law, and they would have the certain yoke of their rabbi that they would have to learn from their rabbi's ways. And, and here's the thing. 
the harder that yoke was, the more spiritual that person looked. So if you were one disciple talking to another disciple, oh, I follow this rabbi, and oh, I follow this rabbi. Yeah, we just got finished. We just fasted for seven days. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, my rabbi, we fasted for nine days. Oh, yeah, well, I, I follow this rabbi's teaching, and, and we, we read the Bible in a year. Oh, yeah, well, we read the Bible in nine months. You know what I'm talking about? We, we do this. We pray for it, and we do And there was this kind of competition because the heavier the yoke, the more it looked like, well, Jesus must love them more. The heavier the rabbis yoked, the more they more found more favor with God was the thinking. And Jesus comes in, and his message is the complete opposite of every other rabbi. See, every other rabbi is trying to make it harder for their disciples. Jesus' message, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. In other words, I know you can't do all those things. I already know you're broken. I know that I'm the one that has to do all the heavy lifting. How, how's it working out for you trying to carry that load? How's it working out for you trying to save the world? How is it working out for you trying to keep your marriage together and trying to raise those kids and trying to pay all those bills and everything that's going on? How, how's it working out just trying to put on more and more burden on your shoulders that you know you can't carry, but you like to act like you can? Jesus makes it even more clear in Matthew chapter 6 where he says those that practice righteousness in front of people, they have their reward already. There are those that like to, 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 to do it where everyone sees it. And he says, yeah, yeah. They have their reward. It's the praise of man. But do you think that that's, they're going to get anything in heaven? No. And remember, it's the same thing that he says to these cities. To see, to live for the praise of man is to always have to outdo each other. To live for the praise of man is to see everyone in every church as your competition. And you've got to outdo them. And you've got to be better. You've got to have a heavier yoke. And here's the thing. You will never experience the kingdom of God like this. You will never experience. You'll just experience a heavy, heavy yoke. And the Pharisees will try to put it on you. What are you yoked to? Are you yoked to your ways of doing things? Or are you yoked to Jesus? Are you yoked to your desires? Are you yoked to your dreams, or are you yoked to Jesus? One way of telling, because this is it's a hard question to answer until you're going through it. Job says it like this in chapter 13, verse 15. Even though he slay me, yet I will worship him. Even though he slay me, yet I will worship him, to trust him even when he seems untrustworthy. To get to the point in your life where, you know what, I'm going to do, I'm going to follow this stream. I'm going to follow Jesus, even when it seems like it doesn't work. Because there's going to be times in your life where you say, I'm praying and I'm praying, but prayer doesn't work. And, and I'm doing this, these things, and, and I'm a part of this community that God calls us to be in. But to be honest, I don't, I don't like the community right now. There's some mean people in the community. I could do it myself. I, could just, I don't need any of them. There's going to be a time where the community doesn't work. There's going to be a time where all of these things, like I was trying to rest, but my soul Every one of these things you'll be tempted to give up. And if you're not yoked to Jesus, I'm telling you, you won't make it. You've got to be yoked to him. There's a poem that I read this week about a, a, a mother that had just lost her son. 
And in the poem, she begins to tell of all her dreams. I dreamed of my son's graduation. I dreamed of him falling in love. I dreamed of who, who his wife would be. I dreamed of their kids and my grandkids. I dreamed of playing in the yard with them. I dreamed about what career he may have. And now I place all of those dreams in my father's hands, knowing that you will help me let them go. And then she closes the poem with this sentence. But there is one dream that I could hold on to. The dream of knowing that he will spend eternity with you. Here's the thing. If you're not yoked to Jesus, when things get really, really tough, you won't be able to say that. You'll try to carry the burden. You'll try to carry the yoke. You'll try to get unhitched from the wagon. You'll try to dismiss these ancient paths for an easier remedy. Because prayer, it'll feel like it just doesn't work. To be yoked to Jesus is to say, God, wherever you go, I go. God, even if you slay me, God, I will yet worship you. There is a weight to it. There is a weight to it. But your father carries the heavy load. Disciples are being sent out, and they're doing these amazing things. And I could just see them coming back, and they're so excited. And there's this piece of Jesus, so like, it's, good job, little buddy. Y'all are awesome. But like, be careful. There's a warning. Remember, rejoice that your name is written. All of these miracles. See, only we call them miracles. Jesus calls them Monday. Right? For us, it's impossible. Jesus doesn't understand that word. This is just this is an outworking of what he does. Sickness and death, sorrow. It will last for the night. There is a process, but joy comes in the morning. There is a process. We have to come to him. We have to yoke ourselves to him, and we've got to throw away the key. Though he slay me, yet I will worship him. Last thing. He says this, and learn from me. Be my disciple. It's not, it's not enough to just come to me. It's not enough to just yoke yourself to me, but learn from me. The core attribute of a disciple is this. They are becoming like the one they are following. The core attribute of a disciple, no matter, there's, remember, there's a thousand different ways in which you can do this, but it's the outworking of this, you coming more like Jesus. If it's not, get on a different path. Is your life becoming, I'm doing all of these things, but are you just becoming more bitter and more angry? Or are you becoming more like Jesus? See, we could fight about the how. We could fight about how we do these things. But we're, are we more concerned about our, our, our model than what it's producing in us? Because at some point, it could be not Jesus that you're following, but your own ways and your own desires. What are you yoked to? What are you producing in your life? See, the, the longer I walk with Jesus and the more I just, I'm yoked to him, the, the more I realize how helpless I am. The, the more the days and days that go by of me getting to know Jesus, the more I realize, God, I am so helpless without you. 
The, the more I learn of you and the more I learn the word, the more I, I enter and I get into your presence. Oh, God, it's only your grace and it's only your mercy. God, I need you. Disciples learn from their teachers. Teach us to pray. Teach us how to live into community. Teach us how to Sabbath. Teach us how to worship. Teach us the ways of the kingdom. Wake up every morning with a teachable spirit. Wake up every morning with a teachable spirit that says, today I'm going to get covered with the dust of my rabbi. Wherever Jesus goes, I go. And even if it's a place that I don't want to go, because here's the thing about following Jesus. He doesn't go where I want to go. He leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. There's other ways around that, God. Take a different exit. Lead us to the other place. He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. I could get reservations somewhere else. Jesus, I don't want it. No, no, no. Why would you do that? His ways are not my ways. He chooses to use us. That's crazy. God, you could just do this. But you want to use us. See, to be hitched to Jesus is an absolutely scary thing because you have no idea where he's going. You may think you know where he's going. People for generations thought, oh, when Jesus comes back or when Jesus comes, this is how it's going to look. And a baby in a manger, we didn't see that one coming. And I would say the same thing is true now. We're looking for Jesus to come in a certain way. He's going to surprise all of us. To have a table the very presence of my enemies, to sleep through the storm, to get called out and to walk upon the water, to pray for the very ones who are nailing you to that cross. Am I becoming more and more like Jesus? Or am I becoming more and more like the world? See, because with Jesus, he could take just a couple fish and some bread and feed 5,000. See, we love that story, but we don't want to live that story but that's what he's calling us to. All of these things, he's calling us to get out of the boat. He's calling us to, yeah, and unless you come through, I sink. Unless you come through, I sink. In him, we live and breathe and move and have our very being. In him, we, he holds all of our dreams and all of our preferences and all of this, but the thing that we rejoice in is the eternal fact that our name is written in the, the book of life. Here's the thing. He's the one that did the writing. Amen. He's the one that wrote it down. See, 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 my only prayer is that when I get to heaven and I stand before the Father and, and, and I look for him and I say, and I say yeah, yeah, it's, it's nothing I did. It's not because we cast out all these demons. It's not because I was this good person. It's not because we stood up on the stage and I preached your gospel. No, no, it's because of your son and what he did and he wrote my name. He did it. He paid the price that I couldn't pray. He went to the cross. See, because it was up to me, I would have chose a different journey, but he did it, and I'm yoked to him. And I, Jesus just would look at us, and Jesus would say, yeah, 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 Father, he's with me. He's with me. She's with me. <laughs> because of what he's done. The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You know what the word of our testimony is? I'm with him. I'm with him. If everybody please stand to the freedom, ask the worship team to come back up. Come to me, 
All of you are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. We've got to come to him. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle of heart. And then he repeats back what Jeremiah said in chapter 6, verse 16, all those years ago. And then you would have rest for your soul. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, for those that may come in and there's just a burden on their shoulders, there's a heaviness, there's a weight. Lord, maybe some of us have been holding on to our way of doing things. Maybe some of us are even questioning these ancient paths because we just feel like they don't work. We prayed a prayer and God, you didn't answer it. And so we gave up and we just, well, I can do that myself. Or, or we gave up on church or a relationship or a job or a dream. We've tried to pursue it in our own strength. And God, this morning, we just, we don't want to be like one of those cities that just enjoys the show. But God, we repent. We come to you with repentant hearts. Lord, we yoke ourselves to you, and Jesus, we say, wherever you go, we go. If you lead us to the top of the mountain, you'll carry us through that. If you lead us down into the deepest valley, you'll carry us through that. The success, the failure, the good times, the bad, when it's working as it should, when it feels like it's not working, God, a river runs through it, and that river is you. Run through our lives. You are our hope. You are our salvation. We come to you this morning. If you're in the room today and you don't know him, may today be the day of your salvation. May they, today the day that you lay down that heavy burden and you say, God, I'm yours. If that's you and you're in the room, I'm going to ask that you just put your hand real high in the air where I can see it. Put your hand real high. Hold it up there. Let, keep it held so I can see it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me. Lord Jesus. God, I repent. I am yours. You are mine. Fill my heart fill my mind. Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. I love you. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Guys, we have somebody in the house. Come on, they gave their life to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, hey, do me one favor real quick. I want to do something a little different. Could everybody take their seats for a second? I've got, I've got something I'd like to do. Um, and but before you stand up, I want to ask if there's anybody in the house this morning that's sick. But when I say sick, I'm not talking about COVID. Like, you shouldn't be here if you guys don't know Because, like, if you stand up, that's going to be super awkward. This is, but when I say if there's anybody in sick, I'm, I'm talking about somebody that uh, you, you've gotten a bad doctor's report. There's cancer. There's maybe even something you've been dealing with for years. There's a back 
issue, there's a knee issue. Right now, my knee, I've been, I've, I've had a horrible knee for years and years now. And every time I walk off the stage, it just, it's an incredible pain. Is there anybody that, that, that just has some, some sickness in their body that it ain't the way Jesus made you and you need to get healed? I'm asking you to stand up. Thank you, Lord. By the way, I'm standing with you too. I need a knee that works. All right. Now, those that are still sitting, I want you to, to look at some of the people that are standing. And now I'm asking those that are standing to please sit down. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, take a seat. Now I want to ask, is there anybody in the room that's been healed by Jesus? Stand up. I want those that are sick in their body to look at these people. And I want to remind you this morning that Jesus still heals. I want to remind you that Jesus still saves. Now I'm going to ask this. Those that are standing, you saw some of those that were standing earlier that they just want some healing in their bodies. Catch them. Catch them before they leave. As a matter of fact, if you want and you're looking for that healing, just make your way back to that corner afterwards. And some of you that have experienced healing, just go and just pray for these people. I don't want to do it corporately. I want it to do it individually. Somebody can just pray for you that has been where you've been and can just, mm, God, you did it for me and you could do it for them. Amen? Does that sound good? Let's do this. Let's all stand up again. I know, it's like musical chairs. Some of you that, anyway, it's all good. Stand up, sit down, Let's take a few minutes. Let's just worship. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.